This episode is brought to you in part by Regent College, Vancouver, Canada. Experience God's call to a life more abundant with our one to two week summer courses. Sign up today at rgnt.net slash summer. Hey everyone, you're listening to Quick to Listen. Each week we go beyond hashtags and hot takes to discuss a major cultural event. My name is Morgan Lee and I'm an assistant editor here at Christianity Today and I'm joined by Mark Alley. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good. <laughs> I think it's good to be back. I'm still in vacation mode in, in my head though. Yeah, so. you've had mixed feelings all week about being back in the office. Yeah, but it was a good time to be away, a good time to practice what I preach. Played five uh, games of golf while I was... Five rounds of golf, I should say, which is related to an article I wrote in the recent issue of CT, which we'll talk about. We soon. will talk about that. And I'm sure it will come up again at the end of the show when we talk about our highlights from uh, life. Yes. Not might not necessarily be it since I didn't play all that well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So who's our guest today? Our guest is a gentleman named uh, DJ Cutno Slack. He is a pioneer in the Christian hip-hop music scene since the mid-1980s. He's a former member of an early uh, hip-hop group called Idol King. And I'm really glad to have him on the show because I know hardly anything about this genre of music and its community. And I'm looking forward to you giving us some insights, Slack. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Slack, where are you based out of? Los Angeles, California. Where else? Yes, that would be a perfect place. Well, you're talking to other two previous Californians. Okay. What part? Well, I was from, uh, lived in the Santa Cruz area for a while. I was in the L.A. area. I went to a, a seminary in Pasadena at Fuller Seminary. So, Fuller, okay. Yeah, I've been all over the state for one reason or another. And I'm okay. from the Bay Area. Up north. You got it. How long have you been in Los Angeles for? Born and raised. So... 50 years, 51 years. Wow. All right, then. You're a man with great patience. Every time I'm there, I just admire the patience of Of traffic. Of the traffic is just amazing to me. Not that Chicago's all that much better, but whatever. Yeah. Well, Slack, thanks so much for joining us today. We will get into our topic this week. So earlier this month, Christian hip-hop artist Shylin released Still Jesus. One of the tracks is named Ichabod, a nod to the son of a high priest whose name, First Samuel suggests, means the glory has departed from Israel. In Ichabod, Lynn hints that the larger Christian hip-hop community could also be at risk of losing favor with God. And I'm just going to read from this particular track. What's really going on? I got a wonder, man. Am I the only one? I don't understand. Because the game ain't the same when the fame and acclaim make a shame to proclaim the son of man. We got record sales, videos, and wardrobes, Twitter followers, movie deals, award shows, older tears mixed with joys of the newer brethren. So Lynn defended this track in a lengthy Twitter thread. He said, quote, I know it seems unfathomable in hip hop, but biblically it is possible to have legit disagreement and still love the one you disagree with. He also wrote, has it gotten to the point where anyone who voices legitimate concerns or disagreements is a quote unquote hater? That's unrecognizable biblically. Lynn's song is part of a larger, longer running conflict within Christian hip hop over how theologically explicit tracks should be, how friendly the industry should be with secular hip hop artists, and whether the movement has strayed from its original vision. So before we get into this 
topic about Christian hip-hop, I just want to take the time to remind everyone of our listeners that this podcast is made possible by everyone who subscribes to Christianity Today, the magazine. And I said this last week, but I really appreciate everyone who has subscribed as a result of listening to this podcast. Thank you so much. So we are in the middle currently of our July-August issue, and I just wanted to call out one of our columnists who's last column ran with us this month to call him by Karen Ellis. What was it about, Mark? Well, it's titled God in Iran, and it's about how the millennial generation of Christians there are responding to living in that government and the challenges they face. The thing about uh, Karen's writing is she does a great job of giving us an insight of how Christians on the ground in places where it's hard to be a Christian, how they react to that. And it's always amazingly hopeful and forward-thinking. They're not sitting there feeling themselves as victims. They are uh, active and engaged in their culture as best they can under the under hard circumstances sometimes, but always with their vision on Christ and the hope he gives them. So I've loved having her column for that reason. It's given us an insight in various areas of the world. Yeah, I think she does a good job of helping to translate some of the things that they're thinking about with stuff that our church here um, in the West should be wrestling with. Yeah, as Mark said, there's an interview there with an Iranian evangelist who's talking about what the church is up to in Iran, which is a subject I'm sure many of you guys would find fascinating but probably not know a lot about. So if you'd like to read this column, you can go to orderct.com slash quick to listen. It's orderct.com slash quick to listen. And when you subscribe to the magazine, there's also a download of past articles that you'll get. These are my favorite, Mark's favorite, and our other CT podcast host, Richard's favorite as well. So it's orderct.com slash quick to listen. All right. Before we get to Slack's remarks, Mark, I'm just wondering what your gut reaction is to this news. Well, it reminds me of uh, conversations that have happened in contemporary Christian music in general over the last few decades, a conversation that happens among Christian writers, especially it comes down to when they think about, am I a Christian writer or a writer who happens to be Christian? And how much should I foreground my Christian faith especially if I'm trying to reach a larger secular audience and how much I shouldn't. And it's a constant tension evangelicals face, since we do believe in... in uh, being of the world the, and not of it. Yeah, being of the world, not of it, spreading the name, spreading the good news of, of Christ to the world. Uh, so it made me think, uh, What the, I guess my reaction when I heard about the conflict was, yeah, it makes sense. That's a very important genre of music. And uh, that is a genre that rightfully should be wrestling with that. Yeah, I felt like I was just missing a lot of history from the discussion. I have friends that are big fans of Christian hip-hop, and so they've been trying to fill me in on some of the details. But I definitely felt like I was missing some of the history um, of the different organizations and record labels and personalities and even just kind of like what the original vision of Christian hip-hop was. So I was glad that we're going to talk about it on the show this week and get some more info. All right, Slack, so... What are Mark and I missing from this discussion? Can you give us a bit of a historical context of this critique? Yeah, I think uh, first you got to go back. One of you guys mentioned just the history. You have to go back to the beginnings, really, to kind of understand where even some of the silence critiques come from or just the purpose of what we set out to do back then. And the group I was in, Idol King, we, we were by no means the first. There was a few before us. And we're talking the 1980s, 85, maybe even 84, 1984. But I think it has to do with, uh, and I think he just alluded to it, you know, am I a Christian writer or am I a writer who happens to be Christian? But I would probably be go more biblical with it. I'm a Christian first who happens to write or who happens to rap. First of all, just as believers, God's 
you know, his authority, his word, that governs everything that, that we do. And we have certain freedoms with, within uh, within God's parameters. So let's just go just to the name Christian hip hop, which is, it really had other names back then, Christian rap, gospel rap, holy hip hop, and now CHHO, Christian hip hop. No one ever asked, why does that title even exist? Why is there such a title? Well, you got to understand in the 80s, where rap was, and even early 90s, I would say 80s, late 80s, 90s, what was the the perspective of rap? How was rap known back then? Just rap in general, hip-hop in general. It didn't have the best of images back then. It was known for violence. It was known to be vile. It was known for, you know, vulgar language. I mean, then the list would go on and on. So imagine a group that happens to be Christian that wants to rap for the Lord trying to go into a church and say, "Hey, let us in." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we want to, and we want to rap. How did that go? And they're like, <laughs> and, you, and they're like, "You want to what? You want to do what?" Oh no, 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 no! It's not that type of rap. It's and you can fill in the blank. It's Christian rap, and that's really how the title came up. That simple. It was to distinguish itself from what was being done in the world. Uh, so that's the birth of it. So. Well, why do you want to rap? You know, why are these Christians wanting to rap? Because that would define the purpose of it. Really, look, we want to point people to Christ. We want to talk about the Lord. We see the problems in this society. Just We're just being Christians in a musical art form, you know. Basically, can we give them the gospel? Can we speak towards social ills and point people to the remedy of these social ills, that there is no human solution for these social ills, that Christ is the solution for these social ills. So that's it. It wasn't necessarily entertainment, though entertainment is involved just by the art form that you're doing. You know, it's it's going to entertain people. But at the core of it all, I mean, we weren't necessarily confused about what we were doing back then. And and Jesus was all over the music. Now, how many Jesuses should you put in the music? That's been going on for a long, long time. So this isn't a new discussion. So what you have in Charlene's critique is what has been going on for at least, see, I've been in it 32 years. I just be conservative and say half that time. Let's just go into the 2000s. It's It could be an issue of philosophy of ministry if both parties are saying they're doing ministry. But the music itself, it seems like there's being, um, Jesus is being removed from the equation, so to speak. So you have some that are wearing the badge of Christian hip hop with honor and doing and some like, well, I don't really want to be called that because it's limiting. Because that's where it was back then. Well, it limits us. As soon as they hear you're Christian, they don't even want to let you in the door. So that was that existed back then as well. Uh, we used to deal with that, getting into the public school system in L.A., which we did get into and never changed the message, by the way. But we got into public school systems, but we didn't send them the most explicit songs. We sent them some of the other songs. But once we were in there, we knew the law. Hey, we could talk about Jesus all we want, as long as it's in music form. But if you stand up, you have those students captivated. You can't get in there and just preach preach the gospel in the public school system. But you could if it was in music format. So that was just wisdom, at least from our our point of view, to, to, to get in. But so now you have, okay, can, if we're going to call it ministry, something needs to be contained in it. 
in order to be ministry. I'm not talking about ministry of service, i.e., okay, I feed the homeless or, or, or you know, clothe the homeless or, or, or feed the hunger or whatever. This is more verbal proclamation. If I'm going to say I'm doing ministry, that implies that I'm including the message of ministry, meaning the gospel and my music. Uh, if I'm going to do that, if that's what the purpose is, okay, you call it Christian hip hop, fine. But if that's not what your purpose is as an artist, and that's not what you're putting in your music, should you still even call it Christian hip hop? I would say no. I would probably also say, okay, go on out there and be secular then. And you know what? Not all secular is bad. As long as you don't violate scripture, dishonor God, and what you're doing, you got the freedom to do it. You got the freedom of Christ to do it. It's interesting that you're bringing this up, Slack, because at the beginning we talked about how Christian hip hop was just kind of an identifier of what they were not, which ministry is kind of a more positive thing of like what you are, right? But I imagine that some people just use the Christian moniker to say, do not put us in the same camp as these people, but they weren't saying we're going to do everything that would encompass what ministry is. I think as the genre group, as more groups and more diversity of the styles of groups got in, you had some that were very, very apologetical and the way they presented, you had other groups that were more inspirational. You had more that were just, they wanted to deal with social issues and deal. Uh, that's what existed back then. There were more that were just fun, having fun in the Lord and stuff like that. Um, so you had all these, that style, and all that's fine. That's fine. E- each one, as long as the f- core of it, the core focus was always what it was. It was about Christ or life in Christ or Christ coming, changing these situations in, in, in people's lives. So yeah, that defined who we were back then. Uh, hey, this is what we're not. This is what we are. But now there are people that they don't, um, and I'm not saying this is necessarily a negative thing. It can be dependent upon the motives. Hey, I don't want to be called a Christian MC anymore. Okay. Uh, well, why? That would be the question I have. Well, why don't you? And, and it's got to be a real, I think it needs to be a real answer or some clarification as to why you don't want to be, especially since you came out that way and I've been following you for years and all of a sudden you do a switch up, you know, and you guess what? You have the right to change your mind. <laughs> yeah. And you have the space as a believer. Just like, you know what? I really want to do something else. I think you say a writer. Hey, I want to write more fiction books now. I want to write children's stories. Hey, hey, go right ahead. I'm not going to come down on you because you chose to change the, the focus of where you go. I would just say, well, well, why is that? Okay, yeah, I got no problem with it. You know, I don't have a problem. You got freedom in Christ to do that. And how? And I can't come along and fit you in my box. Well, that's not the way that I think you should do it. Because that's really what's being said sometimes. It's, you know, I want to put you in this box. That's that on a nutshell. This thing we're talking about right now with Shy and Shyland and, and also it's on a whole another level than just that. Yeah, I think your I think your question's a good one. It gets to the heart of the matter because it's about motive. Mm-hmm. And so you can't tell motive just by what's going on in the exterior. Person no longer wants the name Christian hip hop exactly. or doesn't talk about Jesus as much in their hip hop. That's all on the surface, but what's really going, what, why are they doing what they're doing? Why are they changing? Uh, and sometimes, like you said, it can be for the most noble reasons. It could be that's what God is calling to do. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of talk that's been going on. This, and this isn't, like I said, a new discussion. This has been going on for a while. I think it boils down. If you're going to call it ministry, then you should contain something in it. Help me. I mean, uh, you know, cut, uh, forgive the, forgive the pun, but cut me some slack here if I don't understand something. <laughs> um my impression of, of hip-hop music in general, the thing that I appreciate about it most, wh- wherever it comes from, 
even if it's some of the uh, what I would think of as gangster rap talking about the most uh, difficult issues going on in the inner city. I appreciate its honesty and its frankness and it's basically telling it like it is. But you're saying there's another dimension of hip-hop that doesn't tell it like it is so directly. It can hint and, like a lot of art does, go around the edges so that a person has to kind of draw conclusions. Is that a shift in hip-hop, or is that just a different way of telling the truth in your mind? Well, I mean, if we're talking about Christian hip-hop, let me just put it on those who happen to do Christian hip-hop. It can be a shift if it's shifting away from its original intent and purpose for why it even started. Now, that doesn't mean that as artists don't mature along the way and grow, especially when we're talking about we're believers. Of course, we we should be growing in grace and knowledge and truth. And there's some things I was very, very dogmatic about just in my own life in the past. And I'm not as dogmatic that I got a little bit of grace on the individual here and there like that, but that's just a part of Christian growth. I think you can put, I think you can be that type of artist, just as you said, say, you know what? I want to be the best MC that's out there that I can be. I'm not necessarily going to be, you know, giving you a four point sermon through the book of Matthew and every one of my songs, but what I will do, I won't do anything that would dishonor my Lord and I will make references to him, but it won't be like you're listening to a sermon on Sunday. I think that's fine. You know, provided when the person is in the midst, because what I know it will do, it will give them access, because this is the real world we live in. It will give them access to artists probably others won't have access to, because when the label is on it, you don't even get a foot in the door sometimes. But if I can have access because I didn't come in with Jesus stamped on my head and my Jesus shirt with my Jordan, you know, the River Jordan shoes on. And, and the River Jordan shoes. <laughs> because sometimes that actually is like, uh, you're, not, you're not even given, you're not even given an audience at that point to even speak. And if we're going to be wise, you know, I'll go be a tent maker as Paul in silence. Why? So they can see my life and see how it works. Hey, there's something different. And then I can come with my Jordan shoes on and my, <laughs> and all my, my stuff. But so if you make art like that, I think, like I said before, I think it goes down to motives, which none of us know. I mean, we don't even know our own hearts, let alone the motives of somebody else. But I think the responsibility would be on that artist. Uh, if they're a believer, I'm only talking about believers. Hey, uh, and we just be specific because he's, he's addressing it to the reach camp to Lecrae. Okay, Lecrae said some things about why he's doing what he's doing. And that's cool. You want to reach the masses. You want to reach the thing. But there are some things that maybe he's done that can leave the audience confused. Case in point, I'm following you all this time. We're unashamed. We're this, we're this. And all of a sudden, what happened? There's no reference anymore. What's, what's going on? You know, so that could leave us confused. But if there's communication to me, and that doesn't mean everybody's going to receive it. And that's the, on the church's side. We have to allow space for people to be who they are and change because he's not mandated and commanded in Scripture that everything you ever do in an artistic form must proclaim the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, so how do I make a Burger King commercial? How do I make music for that? <laughs> well, I can't... I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I said I just can't proclaim Jesus in that commercial. But what I can do in my lifestyle and how I do that commercial with a good attitude and on time and I deliver with an, an excellence, I'm still glorifying Christ in how I do my job because that's still a ministry itself, how I do my what I've been asked to do. So it's just unless they tell you the issue here from the horse's mouth, and that's what I always want to hear. 
What do you mean by this? What do you mean by this? Okay, then I'm not listening to fans talk about it. I'm listening to the horse. Tell me what it is. Tell me what they're planning on doing. And then you're either going to accept it or or not accept it. You're bringing up some good points about communication with fans, and I want to get back to that point. I'm wondering, though, you've said earlier that this is a relatively, you know, long running and old conversation that people are having, but kind of bring us up to speed about what this current disagreement is about in its later iteration, specifically around Shylin and Lecrae and Reach Records. First of all, there is no beef or controversy between Lecrae and Shylin. That's from the horse's mouth. They don't have an issue. In fact, this album, you know, Still Jesus, specifically the songs we were talking about, I think Random Thoughts and Ichabod, for what I understand from the horse's mouth that they even had, Reach even had advanced copies of the lyrics, so they already knew this was coming out. But guess who doesn't have that? All the fans and supporters. So, of course, people are making comments and opinions without as Proverbs uh, 18, you know, I think 18 or 13 would say, hey, you gotta hear the whole matter before you you speak on it. You guys don't have all the facts, all this you know, so from that point of view, so that's that part. And they're just addressing this shift. Hey, I know you're going this direction. And, and Shy put up some pretty serious tweets. You know, I, I mean, you quoted a couple of them. I think he said one about, hey, if you say, Lord, kill me if I don't preach the gospel, but then you switch up and go a total another direction or the opposite, that leaves people confused. And it can leave people confused with no explanation. If you're linking up with Let's just be real. He's thinking of uh, um, unbelievers in songs. Okay, you know, that's been so taboo for so long in the church. But here's a question. Here's what I would interject in that. Is he claiming to still do ministry in a song format with an unbeliever? If that's the claim, then yeah, I have a problem with that because what can an unbeliever give me of spiritual uh, from spiritual life? Nothing. They can't offer me anything because they don't have they don't have what's necessary. But if you just said, hey, I'm not necessarily doing ministry on that song, I'm doing, you know, I'm just keep using it. I don't want to give them the free advertising. It's like, well, we're making a children's book about, you know, Wally the Alligator. Okay, is there anything wrong with that? You know, I'm making a commercial for so-and-so. Well, they're not doing ministry. That that's not called, you know, the verbal proclamation. If they're if he's standing on stage doing his show and I'm doing ministry, then you bring on an unbeliever to come speak to your people. I'm probably gonna have an issue with that. It's like, mm, I don't know if that's the wise thing to do. As if my pastor would have an unbeliever come and try to give a sermon. <laughs> we would kind of look at it strange, like mm. <laughs> Uh, I don't think so. Or, or take some a serious icon out there of, a, let's say, of a different faith. And for the sake of having your united front, you allow him to speak to your congregation. I'm like, uh, I think it should be Christ first. You know, there's certain things we just know. You have a, you're a shepherd of his flock. You're supposed to protect what they hear, their ears, you know, everything. So in that respect, um, I probably, me personally, that's my conviction. I know I wouldn't. I know I wouldn't do it from my own personal conviction, but as far as the curry is concerned, he can make music with whomever he wants, except don't violate scripture, don't dishonor God. But I think there's some responsibility he has to do for the fans who have been following him, or let's say the undiscerning who have just been following him. And they say, oh yeah, that's Lecrae, that's Lecrae, that's Lecrae, that's Christian music, that's Christian music. And all of a sudden there's a video five years later with somebody who's not necessarily Christian and outside of that one song, you probably wouldn't want to listen to those songs. But the undiscerning go, oh, that's a Christian song because who's in it? The crazy. At that point, what do you say to that child? 
or that band. It's like, well, what's going on? It can leave him confused. So I get, I get that part. But the balance is he's got to have the freedom to be who he is because he's given that by God. But at the same time, could that be considered, hey, are you unequally yoked now? Because we know it's not talking about marriage, although it complied in marriage. It's like, what, what, what's going on here? Because the message is confusing now. Because everything that that guy represents lyrically, you've been speaking against all these years. Now, all of a sudden, you're in a song with This episode is brought to you by Church Law and Tax. Church Law and Tax understands the realities of church work, helping thousands of churches stay informed and get equipped with comprehensive resources on legal, tax, financial, and risk management matters. Do you have a question on housing allowance? Need information on selecting church insurance? Looking for insights on what is or isn't unrelated business income? Or how about some guidance on how to properly receive charitable contributions? ChurchLawAndTax.com equips you for success with access to the most respected and knowledgeable attorneys, accountants, financial advisors, and risk managers guiding churches today. Get the practical information and timely coverage you need to keep your church up to date and lead your ministry with confidence. Join ChurchLawAndTax.com today. I think it's interesting how how you're talking about the uh, hip hop artist and his or her relationship with their fans. It's almost it's not like a not quite a pastoral relationship uh, with a pastor and a congregation, but it's, it sounds like it's something similar where you feel like the artist has some responsibility to that community of fans to be clear with them, upfront with them about what he or she is doing. Would that be a fair way to put it? I would be. A, yeah, that would be a fair assessor because of. I'm a believer, and a lot of my fans are believers. So now we got, we're brothers of one another, members of the same body. You know, it's like if I switch up, for me personally, if I do something, let's say I sin, let's, that's a good one. I sin publicly. Do I have a responsible, a responsibility to say I'm sorry or to ask for forgiveness, especially if I do it publicly? Now, I'm not talking about privately. Yeah, the private could determine that. Let's say if I was married and, and uh, God forbid, or whatever happened, I, I cheated on my wife, you know, and I got all these fans following me and I'm holding up an image that's really not true. Do I have a responsibility from a Christian point of view? The world's not going to do it. But from a Christian point of view, they say, you know what? And I think some artists have. They've given back awards. You know, in all good faith and conscience, I can't accept this award. Huh. That's... You know, I, f- I forgot who it was, but it's, it's been, it hasn't been on the hip-hop side, but it's been in the Christian side, the, the Christian hip-hop side, but it's definitely been on the, the kind of the contemporary CCM side of stuff. And they've returned awards. I'm like, man, that's serious integrity right there. Because what is that saying? That's saying, look, I have a responsibility to you too. I'm I'm one of you guys. I'm just my my path and my calling is a little different, but I'm still one of you. And you know what? I haven't represented I haven't represented the body well. So I want to return this and give it to somebody who's actually, you know, I don't want to say deserving as if any of us deserve anything, but you know what I mean. It's yeah, like giving exactly. it to someone who's who's had the integrity, who hasn't maybe brought some some shame to the name of Christ. And so if someone did that, man, I highly respect an individual like that because that takes a lot of courage and he's trying to uh, do what we all should be doing, which is glorifying and honoring the Father, honoring our, our Lord, and setting an example before his fans uh, because that will have an impact on them. Like it's had an impact on me. I was like, man, that guy really, really, wow, that's something serious. So if he did it on that level, what about on the smaller level? 
how, how should we be with our integrity? And some things, you know what? I don't really deserve this because I know in my heart how my attitude has been and what I've been doing. Why don't you, why don't you do it this time? Because I really, because, you know, of what exists personally in my life right now, I don't, I shouldn't be receiving this word because it's more than just grabbing a, a piece of metal trophy in your hand. It's all the meaning behind that trophy, especially in the Christian industry. You know, it's like, it's saying, hey, it's saying, it's, it's saying something. So that would be my responsibility to the fans. So I don't leave them confused. And if it's younger fans, so I don't leave the parents of those fans confused. Like, look, this is what I'm doing. I understand if you don't want to buy my music anymore. I get it, but I'm just putting it out there. And if they choose to follow, they go in with their eyes wide open and not kind of sucked in by accident, you know. And as I've listened to these conversations in other genres as well, one item that doesn't get mentioned very much, it's almost an elephant in the room, what role does the temptation to be financially successful playing this? And how do you address that with a fellow brother or sister in Christ? By entering a more secular world as a artist who happens to be a Christian, you're ensuring a much greater possibility of uh, financial success. And if, if, it, if uh, these artists are like me, that would be, that would complicate my decision making for sure. When you're not making any money and you see that you can make some money doing something else, that can create a temptation. I mean, our enemy knows us. He knows mankind. He knows our bits. He knows what it is. I think you have to have some commitment of why you get in it in the first place. And it's still even tough, even with a really focused, a singular focus, you know, dedicated purpose. It's like, you know, I'm not in this for the money. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with making money. It's just that one the money should never, I hate to use the word, the money should never trump the the ministry side of stuff. You know what I mean? It, yes, exactly. Never, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can do ministry. It takes money. It takes money to make records. And I'm just being personal. I just want to be vulnerable with you guys. It's like money is always a temptation, especially if you have bills due. But I think it also comes down to a trust factor in the Lord, that the Lord will take care of you. You don't have to prostitute your gift. You can trust the Lord that at this time, that might be the season that he wants you in so that you're dependent because he knows what's best for you. And there'll be other times, as Paul said, hey, I'm abounding and I'm a base. I learned to have and to not have. And I think that can be the Christian life when you're a struggling artist, because that's that factors into as well. It's like money can be a temptation because of what money can do for you. I mean, there was a time we had uh, there were temptations like that back then with people. Hey, you should just I mean, known artists in the rap world. Man, y'all should just rap this way. Y'all could be getting paid. And you and you got to make a decision. Yeah, I could be getting paid. And you would be sounding just like Eve. Yeah, it does look good to the eyes. And it does look, man, well, maybe. And if you start entertaining that, man, that's what you don't want. Just like, no, nah, but that would violate, that would violate this. And that would violate God. But more importantly, if I do that, what about all the people that I've talked to and ministered to over the years? What would they think? One other thing that I wanted to get through in this conversation is that um, we've seen over the past couple of years that at least the Christian hip hop artists that I follow have begun to speak out more about police brutality and other civil rights issues. And I'm just wondering, has that conversation that they have been leading and starting had any impact on this other discussion of ministry purpose? I don't necessarily think so in... Well, it can if that's all you do, meaning if you become so wrapped up in social ills that you neglect the gospel side of stuff, then, yeah, that 
that can impact. But back in the days, our early part of Christian hip hop, we were actually dealing with social ills and social issues, um, racism, just be honest, being, being uh, like the phrase, I'm black and I'm proud, meaning, well, I'm not going to be ashamed of the, who God created me as and dealing with historical stuff. So that existed even back when Christian hip hop first started. So I don't necessarily see a problem with that as long as if you're calling yourself a Christian ministry that proclaims Christ, but Christ doesn't get proclaimed, but it all becomes, it's kind of like Jesus without, hey, uh, but the man, you know, hey, you know, you say to your brother, he's talking about faith, you know, and James talking about all the faith. And he says, hey, hey, be warmed and filled and go on. OK, you didn't deal with the whole man's problem. He's hungry and he needs to hear the gospel. But I just don't want you to feed him normal food and not give him the gospel or at, portray Christ as the remedy to all these solutions, to all these issues. But at the same time, just to give him Jesus. But you don't deal with where he is right there feeding him. He's hungry. Christ is you know, Christ points out both sides, both sides of that. That's not really faith. You need to do you need to do both. So you bring that back to this. I think that's fine to talk about that, provided because as Christians, we're called to speak up for the who the oppressed. Well, who are the oppressed? Is that just only the Christians that are oppressed? You know, and you see all those things that happen in the Old Testament and God's talking to Israel. If the sojourner among you or the foreigner or the wages of your workers are crying out against you. So you see these little things, or as Jesus saying, the poor will always be with you. I mean, so you have to deal with it. Uh, but I think the only way it would be affected in this side would be because, let's say, a group neglects the ministry, ministry part of it and just speaks about social issues with no real solution to these issues or a more human solution to the issue and not what the ultimate solution to this issue is. Say, hey, we live in a fallen world and I get that. That's wrong. Speak out against it. It's wrong. But bring the word to God to bear on it. If you leave him out of the equation, what are we really doing at that at that point if he's not part of the solution? Yeah, I think that's a really strong point that... Um I think we as Christians need to be constantly reminded of. Yeah, that's very good. So as you think, as you reflect on this particular controversy, as you say, it's not new. It's been repeated in many other forms. I mean, what can Christians who are not artists, who are not in the public eye, what do you imagine they can learn from this type of controversy? Sometimes when the truth gets spoken, I think Paul makes Paul makes a statement. And he says, hey, have I become your enemy because I've preached the truth to you? You know, I've been been around you all this time, loving on you and stuff like that. But now that I speak the truth and it goes against what you want to do or want to be, it's like, am I now your enemy? And have I become your enemy? And I think what we, well, one of the things you can learn is these types of discussions are actually healthy. I look at it also as sometimes as a means of God's grace to us to like a little warning thing, a little wake up call, like, hey, let's consider these things. You know, if someone is raising some points, we need to be like the Bereans, so to speak, and, and dig in. Well, let's take a look at this. Is this really what's going on? Because otherwise we just get caught up into the routine of life, the routine of doing ministry, and we don't even know you've drifted. You know, and I'm not saying LaCroix has drifted. He's told you what, hey, this is what I plan on doing. It's just you can learn. That's one thing you can learn is just God just showing you like, hey, you need to reconsider. You need to consider 
what it is that you guys do on both sides. Both of you guys need need to consider, like, hey, uh, is God really the focal point here? Is it really all about his glory and his honor? Is it really about his kingdom? He left us here for a reason. Okay, are we doing that? And that would apply to anybody in any any. Exactly. Uh, calling, whether it's uh, they're staying at home for whatever reason or they are out in the workplace that in a job that isn't specifically Christian. Uh, they, they, You're right. I think they, we need to constantly remind ourselves, why are we doing that? We're doing it because God calls us to be there. And when we're there, we need to be a witness for him no matter no matter what. So I think that's the artistic conversation is just it's a large writing of something that we all have to deal with day to day, it seems to me. Discussions go and people get to just be honest with you. They're debating online you really get to see what people are uh, what their belief is like you get to like wow is that what you really believe and you get to see their understanding of scripture which i think is a major of importance here is that a lot of times the reason why people do what they do is in within christendom is based off their understanding or lack thereof or misunderstanding of scripture without that foundation Without that proper foundation, you misinterpret scripture, uh, which means you'll have you'll have wrong application of that of those of, of scripture, and that's where we're getting into. I think all this debate, and, and I've seen it, the beef. Like I said, isn't amongst the parties that are even at the top. It's the supporters and fans going at at, at one another. You're looking. It's like. But one thing I'm learning is I'm wondering if we should even be doing this publicly like this, considering the world is looking in on it. That's a good point. Yeah, that's that's now sometimes some stuff has to be done publicly, even before believers and believers are unbelievers. I'm thinking of Paul confronting Peter. He confronted him amongst believers. Why? Because it goes beyond just what the perceptions were at that immediate moment, at that immediate, immediate geographical place and who was there. There's a far bigger picture. You know who the, was involved in the bigger picture? Us. Thousands of years later, 2000, we can look back on those writings and be like, man, Paul confronted. Why did he do that? We're talking about freedom in Christ. We're talking about being bound to the law. So it was more than just the act. It was the ramification of that as it affected people there and how that can affect us. And I think you could apply something like that in Christian hip hop. So I was just raising some brotherly concerns. But what I have learned in it is showing you where people are and, uh, and how culture has really influenced even the church to a certain degree. We can't even disagree with anybody without your, like he said it, being a hater, being this, you can't even bring anything up. Well, how are we supposed to admonish one another? How are we supposed to do all these things that God says that we're to do as brothers because we're accountable to one another if we can't even have open dialogue? about it. That's a good place for us to leave off there and for us to think through. So thank you for sharing those thoughts and engaging in this conversation with us. As always, I just invite people listening to the show who may have thoughts or questions or feedback to leave that on our social channels. We are on Twitter at CT Podcasts and we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash CT Podcasts. So feel free to leave your remarks there and we will take this feedback that you have for us. Now is the time of the show we call Precious Moments where we all go around and share something that is bringing us joy this week um, and also where people can find us outside of this podcast. Slack, do you want to go first? Do I have to? I'll pick on Mark. Mark has something. Yeah, I'll go first. 
<laughs> well, as, as Morgan said, I just got back from a two-week vacation, and I told my boss and my right-hand man, Ted Olson here, who is editorial director, I do not want to hear from you while I'm gone. It's the first time I've done this in about five years. Unless there's an emergency, I just do not want to hear about what's going on. I didn't check any of the way we do internal messaging. I didn't check my work email, and it was great. It was a, just a great way to get a break from it all. The only problem, of course, coming back was it was a shock to my system to remind myself that I do have responsibilities still <laughs> for two weeks you just forgot i just forgot yeah mm. do you have is there a place that people can find you online oh yeah they can find me on uh, i publish something every week called the galley report which can be found at uh, christianitytoday.com slash the galley report galley is spelt g-a-l-l-i by the way in which i can i i link to stories i find interesting and make comments about them and obviously the people who subscribe to the newsletter find it helpful and i find it enjoyable to do all right, Slack, are you ready or should I go? No, I can go. Uh, being used by God to encourage others that are going through some things and then seeing the results of that, the fruit of that, as they um, kind of continue to mature. And that's been going on for a minute because sometimes, uh, you know, I can focus on my own woes and you don't really see the, the beauty that God is doing and others, and, and if, if we can do like Jesus even did on the cross in the moment of death and all that pain and agony, he's concerned about his mother and that she's well, that she's taken care of. You know, so it's, it's moments like that. And I'm just thinking of some friends in general and just the conversations we've had recently and just to see them kind of come out of a, a little slump, so to speak, because they're trusting God more and the fact that God would use uh, you know, someone like me. Yeah, it's pretty cool to have that. Have you known these friends for a while? Yeah, yeah, I have known them for a while. So, I, and I know the the challenges and the trials that they've gone through, and how you can just get to that point where you're just like, Lord, I don't know if I can just go. You know, what I mean, what's going on? Like at every turn, it's one fire after another. I got to keep putting out. It's like, hey, you know, just to be able to share with them because I know not only do I need it, I'm going to need it one day, and I've have needed it in the past, and and what it's done for me, it's like. You just want to do the same for somebody else. You want to see them just continue to trust, to trust God. But it's always a joy when God gives you a glimpse of your labor and the fruit of it. It's like, wow, they actually listened. <laughs> exactly. It's such a shock, isn't it? <laughs> Is there any place where people can find you online? They can just hit me up on Facebook right now. Just They can do it by Slack or DJ Congo Slack or Derek Slack Drew. And then uh, we also still do some music on the production side. So Ed Music, SoundCloud, Ed Music, and they can get in touch with me or we could chop it up about things through those mediums. Awesome. So my precious moment hasn't happened yet. I am going to California this weekend to go to a wedding of a friend that I went to summer camp with back in the day. I don't think I've seen her in almost a decade, which is crazy to say that out loud, but it'll be fun and it involves a road trip with my best friend to get there. So I am really looking forward to that. Um, people can find me online on Twitter at M-E-P-A-Y-N-L. That is it for us this week. Thank you for everyone who are listening to the show. Podcast is produced by Richard Clark and Cray Allred. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. But Apple Podcasts is awesome when you do go there because that is the best place to leave us reviews. And thank you to everyone who has left us a review. We will see you all next week. Bye.
This episode was brought to you in part by the Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.